Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of MindBuddyGreen and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a five-star review and comment. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness and make sure to check out all of our great offerings, including our online classes and trainings. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. This week's guest turned her severe allergies to common foods into an extremely successful startup, Simple Mills. That's right, we've got Caitlin Smith, the founder of Simple Mills, one of my favorite gluten-free brands and natural products today, and one that's not only loved in our office here at MindBuddyGreen, but is really revolutionizing all things gluten-free in the grocery store. Caitlin, welcome. Thank you for having me. So you have one of my favorite brands simple mills i devour your products my wife colleen devours your products even our our daughter ellie who's who's less than two years old is into (laughs) your products so so let's go back to so so how and why simple mills how did this how did this gluten-free empire start (laughs) yeah so i started this company about five years ago uh i had i had cleaned up my diet and taken out a lot of processed food a lot of sugar um, personally, I'm, I'm gluten-free and dairy-free as well. Um, and, and when I cleaned up my diet, I just saw a whole host of things change. And it was something that was really surprising to me uh, because when I was growing up, we were taught that uh, food affects your digestive system, it affects your weight, um, but we never talked about how food impacts um, your immune system or anxiety or depression, mm-hmm. um, all of these things that we're now linking to food. Uh, and so this was just a really profound realization for me. Uh, and it quite honestly made me kind of angry uh, because I'd been taught something that was just so clearly wrong. And it was impacting everyone around me. As I looked around, it wasn't just affecting, food wasn't just affecting people who um, had celiac disease or were lactose intolerant. Um, so like these traditional things that we associate with food. Um, but I realized it was it was having a real impact on our um, on our whole country, and uh, and I I just remember sitting there and thinking I have to do something about this. I can't just sit on my hands um, with this knowledge. And this is something that um, has the ability to change what what so many people do with their lives, um, their interpersonal relationships, the really like the substance of what your life is made of is impacted by the food that you eat. And so I went home one day. And I brainstormed probably 10 different ideas of how I could help change what people are eating. Everything from going and getting my master's in public health to starting a natural food company. So we, we know where that ended up. I started a natural food company. <laughs> and you were pretty young at the time. Yeah, I was 24. Wow. Yeah. And so walk me through. So I, I, it sounds like you settled on natural food company. And so, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I really wanted to create a company that would 
change it, change what sits in the center aisles of the grocery store. Uh, so when you think about those aisles, there's usually a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar, a lot of ingredients you can't pronounce, uh, not a lot of nutrition, but a lot of convenience. And so the question that I had was, okay, what if you could take these these products that that people love the convenience and taste of? So like think like a Cheez-It or a Chips Ahoy cookie. And, um, and instead of making them out of things that you don't want to be eating, make them out of things that you do want to be eating more of, like almonds or sunflower seeds or flax seeds, chia seeds, um, uh, coconut sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so that was really the, um, the genesis and the idea. And, and I think the really, um, the really cool thing for me and um, in building this company is one, we are able to help provide better options to our consumers kind of providing something that's so much better um, and so much more nutritious than the other things that are out there. But then also, as a result of playing in this space, I've realized that you kind of raise the standards of what healthy food looks like. And I'm a firm believer that a rising tide raises all boats. Mm -hmm. And so I've watched, even just over the past five years, how our competitors have um, have changed their ingredient labels. Or I've heard time, like literally time and time again from some of my friends who do sit in the larger consumer products companies about how our products are sitting on their tables in their innovation meetings. And so the idea of also being able to impact a broader landscape is also, um, I think, very motivating and exciting for me. Sure. So you have the idea, you're saying, okay, natural food company, then do you go to a kitchen? Like, how did you get from kitchen to market? How soon did you come up with the name? And then what was like, what was your first skew? When did you like, how long did that just walk quickly like that process and how long it took? Yeah. So, uh, I think the first thing weirdly enough was the name. I originally wanted simple foods, but the domain name for that was $3,000 and I didn't have $3,000. <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's going to be simple mills. And the domain name for that was 1295. <laughs> bargain. $12.95. Yes. I yes. love it. <laughs> yeah, it was a bargain. Uh, so I chose the name. Um, I really wanted something that represented simple real food. Uh, and then after that, I started talking to other entrepreneurs who had just started food companies. So I was like, okay, so how do you manufacture product? How does that work? And you generally have two options. You can get a commercial kitchen and make it there, or you can work with a contract manufacturer um, or a co-man. I started out in a commercial kitchen. I found a really cheap one about an hour outside of Atlanta, which is where I was living at the time. And so I was working full-time as a management consultant, uh, which meant I was traveling four days a week. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does, yes. <laughs> when you said that, I'm like, oh, my, you're on the, living on airplanes. Living on airplanes. And uh, and then I would come back, and on the weekends, I would, uh, I'd go to the commercial kitchen. I'd um, We started out with baking mixes, and so I'd mix together all of the flours and um, I had bought these like food grade tubs that I would just roll back and forth across the countertop to uh, to mix the flowers together because you um, I couldn't afford a mixer either. The mixers were like three thousand dollars, so it's like <laughs> you know I think that I can just roll it back and forth across the table. And it turns out actually that's pretty much how commercial mixers work anyway. So uh, so it worked out. Um, but yeah, so got a commercial kitchen and then um, started selling our products into our first stores. So our first store was a um, a Whole Foods store in Atlanta, the Whole Foods Ponce de Leon store. What was your first product? Uh, so it was our. Mix? Uh, three muffin mixes, okay. um, so banana, chocolate, and pumpkin. And um, and once we were in 
honestly about five whole food stores i could no longer keep up with the demand of um, you're making it you're selling it (laughs) i'm guessing you were demoing it too oh yeah Oh yeah. My weekends would also, that's the other thing I would fill my weekends with. I would, um, I figured out how I could fit three demos per, um, per day, um, on the weekends, um, which you're only supposed to fit two, like based on like the way the whole foods aligns the, like the timing. But I was like, I can fit three. And if I just leave like 10 minutes early here and, um, yeah, so you'd like bake the muffins, uh, spend all like early morning baking the muffins. It's a little more (laughs) difficult for you. People don't realize like most people when they demo the products already there, they grab it off the shelf or what have you they bring it it's already made you gotta you have to make it i had to make it yeah you can't just say here's the mix (laughs) you need to actually take the mix and go make it oh my gosh and you go through hundreds of muffins during demos like it it, you spend longer baking the muffins than you do actually doing the demo (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah but i mean it's it was a lot of fun (laughs) well you connect with your consumer immediately you get it's instant feedback like it's it's a great way to you get to know your consumer very yeah. early on. And, and so after we'd, uh, we'd sold into probably about five Whole Foods stores, I went out and started searching for uh, Comian so that they could manufacture the product and I could focus on other parts of the business, including demoing the product. <laughs> and so I'm assuming like packaging, all that stuff you were just like doing on your own, like working oh, with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So packaging, uh, we did our original, we've been through three different like very different package designs. I like the I like the latest one. It's pretty tight. Yeah, the latest one I think is going to stick. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the the um, the first two package designs I had done on Ninety Nine Designs, which is like this crowdsource uh, website, and then um, and then I would modify them in PowerPoint because I was a <laughs> consultant, so I was really good at PowerPoint. <laughs> so, were your friends at work? Did you did your friends at work know, know what was going on the weekends? Like, were you ever demoing and someone from the office like? What did you tell people? Yeah, I uh, I was pretty transparent with it. I I, I told them what uh, what I was doing, and I don't know. It was kind of fun because I could bounce ideas off of them. Sure. So I'd be like, "What price am I going to sell this at?" And I we think would I know sit some people who can work on that. <laughs> yeah, some people who work in pricing. So yeah, they were and helpful. And then, when did you know, like, okay, I think this is like this has legs. Maybe it's time to to walk away from the day job how, how far along from, from that like first demo at Whole Foods like when was that that moment yeah I'd say it was probably about a year a year or so later uh, my path is kind of funny because at the same time I was um, I was also applying to business school and you went um, to business school too right yeah I I'd never finished I don't um, think you need to but. <laughs> but um but yeah so I was applying to business school and it was kind of just like this parallel path because I wasn't really sure what was going to happen with the business so I got into business school during that year and I moved up to Chicago to go to Chicago booth for my MBA and it was while I was at booth actually that we um we became the best-selling muffin mixes on Amazon and wow yeah it was that that was pretty cool and it was in that moment. I remember my office at the time was my bedroom, uh, and I remember literally jumping up and down in my bedroom because <laughs> I was so excited. And then, so that must have been a tough decision. You're in business school, like that's a great business school. You're in business school. You've got your business growing. When do you walk me through that? Like, when did you say, like, okay, I need to take a break and go with this? Yeah, it's. I think the funny thing about the early days of the business is you just have such blind faith Mm -hmm. um, that now looking back, I can see so many places the business could have gone wrong. 
but I, I kind of had just like this beginner's mindset where you can't see all the problems, um, which is a very lucky thing. And so there was never a question really. It was the number one priority in my life is this business. And so I was working nonstop on it. And if ever there was a conflict between, okay, I need to like get my homework done and go to class, or I need to like do this for this particular customer, um, the customer came first, um, or the business came first. Um, and so the breaking point, I think, for me came when I looked back at the prior quarter, and not only did I forget to bid on classes, uh, which means that I didn't get enrolled in classes, <laughs> but um, but I of the class that I did enroll in, the one class, I only attended five of the actual ten classes. Uh, and so I was like, okay, you're not getting anything out of this because you're not you're not actually focusing on it at all. Right. You're just focusing on the business. And so um, that was the point where I stepped away. And so give us an idea, like how, how big is the business today? Like how many SKUs, like how many retailers? Yeah, so we've got, we've got 28 SKUs. Um, we've got 35 employees. Um, we are in about 12,000 stores. Wow. So everything from Whole Foods, Sprouts, Target, Kroger, Safeway, Albertsons. Um, so I've, like we've got some great natural and conventional distribution mm. now. And then um, the, the products play across um, four different categories. So we're in cookies, crackers, baking mixes, and frostings. Um, so it's kind of three different sections of the grocery store. So between that moment of walking away from business school and today, like were there moments in between where you were like, shit, I don't know if we're going to make it or what am I doing or that what people refer to as like the quote unquote dark night of the soul? You know, I don't think that there were ever points where I questioned the business, which again is a very naive thing because I can see a million places where we could have gone wrong. Um, It's not to say though that that there weren't moments that were really hard for me. Um, it's just the, the things that I questioned weren't necessarily the business. Right. Well, what, what, what did you question? Like, what's like a, what was like a particular, like hard moment looking back where you're like, wow, this was tough on me personally. I think probably the hardest part for me was, um, this was my first time managing and leading a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was in management consulting, um, I had managed like two or three people on like little internal projects but never something that like really matters to you uh, and that you really want to be successful and that you'll do anything to make successful. And so I started hiring and recruiting people in this business and, um, and trying to build the right team and trying to figure out how to motivate people. My intuition around management and leadership I don't think was uh, was very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it led to a lot of mistakes along the way. And um, I think points even where um, where I looked at it and I'm like, wow, I'm really struggling. Sure. Um, this, that's really scary. I think everyone, everyone, I've had a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs on this podcast, and everyone will always say it's the people issues. It's growth. Did I hire the right person? Did I, did I make the right move? you know, having to have difficult conversations, you know, maybe I have the right person today or yesterday, but now they're not the right person today. They're not growing. Like they're, they're a lot, those are the, it's always the, the people HR issues that are the ones that keep people up at night. Yeah. At least that's what I, what I've seen, what I've experienced. And, but like strategy, vision, you know, where you're going, business is growing great, but it's like these other, it's all those little things. It is. And they're, um, they're not straightforward and it's not the same. Sure. 
twice around. Um, sure. And so today it's it's one of my absolute favorite parts of what I do in my job is um, is figuring out how to best motivate the team to uh, to to make them successful and to um, to help grow the people on the team because it is like an ever changing landscape. There's always mm-hmm. more that you can learn about uh, about leading other people. So, what's like the biggest leadership lesson you think you've learned in this process? <laughs> I've learned a lot, a lot of them. Uh, I think um, I think one of them kind of introduces a lot of them, which is um, that what what got you here won't get you there. <laughs> and so, you know, coming out of consulting, like, I was really good at execution. You know, you, like, put together, like, PowerPoint decks and Excel documents, and um, you get really good at getting stuff done. But I think the biggest realization has been that that's not what makes you successful as a leader. Um, that you do really have to focus on um, on how to best work with other people, and um, and different people are different. So sure. what works for one person doesn't work for another, um, and so you have to tailor your approach. I, I think another another big one it has been that people are much more motivated by intrinsic motivators than extrinsic motivators. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you think about extrinsic motivators as being um, certainly things like money and benefits, but also um, praise. Praise is an extrinsic um, motivator. People are much more motivated if you can give them opportunities for growth, um, opportunities to accomplish something, opportunities to um, to work against a mission, um, and to clearly paint how their work connects to a mission. Uh, and so, a lot of my work today focuses more around how do you how do you best um, set your team up with those intrinsic motivators. I love it. In terms of the brand, so. You're in thousands of stores. You have 28 SKUs, you said? Mm-hmm. Like, like what's, what is interesting to you in the space? Like, what's a fad? What's a trend? Where do you think natural products are going? Yeah, it's a great question. It's, uh, it's an interesting time in the space, honestly. I guess in talking about fads in the space, I don't necessarily, this isn't a fad, but it's something that I'm seeing happen a lot, um, which is there's a lot of, um, a lot of people coming into the space for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And with that, people are trying to do um, all kinds of things that I consider completely bizarre. Um, so they're like basically trying to mix and match all of the different things that people are looking for. I mean, like, oh, let's take an adaptogen and put it with protein <laughs> yep. and see what happens and see if customers will buy it. I, I think that's one thing that I'm just kind of watching me like, well, that's interesting. Uh, I think what what is kind of longer sticking and more more permanent is that really more and more people like me are realizing that the food that they eat impacts how they feel and what they're able to do on a daily basis. I think that is creating a permanent shift toward, um, toward eating things that, um, that work harder for your body that have more, Mm -hmm. um, more nutrition that, um, that might have some functional benefits as well. Um, that, um, that are less inflammatory to your body. Um, so, you know, not um like in my case for example like i i personally avoid grains because um because of how inflammatory they are um but safe to say you guys want to do grains <laughs> yes <Okay>. yes <laughs> safe to say so I, I i that's where i really see things going is more people thinking critically about how food impacts their body and making um nutrition and um and food cho- 
food choices based on that, recognizing, of course, that um, what works for one person doesn't sure. necessarily work for another. And so um, I think there's also a level of bioindividuality and experimentation that's happening across the space as well. So let me ask you, like, what's interesting? So you mentioned adaptogens. So like if we talk about like foods or categories or specific ingredients, so like you've got adaptogens, you've got, you know, keto, everything. You used to have <laughs> coconut, everything. Then there was like, you know, a lot of mushroom stuff. Like what? What ingredients are, or, or like category, like functional foods, I think is like a category is like very interesting. Like, what do you think is interesting in terms of like specific categories or ingredient led products? That's another way. I think there are a lot of ingredient led products. Like there's like a ingredient, people are on board with it. And then you see this version and that version and this version, like I think everything like coconut and coconut oil was like a thing. Yeah. Um, so, like, what's interesting to you there? Yeah, I think it's um, it's tough to answer because we've certainly had like internal conversations about like, okay, you say like mushrooms or um, or you could say like turmeric. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I think for us, the way that we think about the way that we think about ingredients and in food is we just want it to be simple, real foods. Um, so things that that you and your body are going to be very familiar with. Um, and so where I struggle a little bit on some of the newer ingredients, um, is just how, um, how new and unproven they are. Um, and so like, I'll give you an example. So like I personally, um, do terrible with turmeric, mm-hmm. uh, and not to say that we design products specifically for me, but it's just a recognition that, um, that we don't want to do something that's going to be, um, I guess frustrating for a lot of people's bodies. Sure. Uh, and so, and so we try to keep things like more simple and and clean, um, versus going too complicated, even in the direction of natural and complicated. Sure. Well, maybe not for you, but just in general for like collagen, bone broth. Like, what do you think of all? Like, I'm just yeah. curious. Like, what what you think? Um, personally, I love the the collagen and bone broth because I think it's great for your um, your digestive system. Now I'm seeing a lot of marine collagen. <laughs> So, and the other the other struggle point too is you're kind of looking for a clean, a clean protein out there too, mm-hmm. um, where like I feel like so many of the proteins have issues with them. It's like okay, you've got like whey protein, which is dairy and also just bizarre in a number of ways, and then you've got like soy protein, also pretty inflammatory, and then you've got um, rice protein, which has like yep. um, uh, issues with arsenic. And so I like collagen for that reason. It's kind of like it doesn't have a lot of the issues that um, that other protein sources have. Um, so that's certainly one thing that's interesting to us. Um, another thing that is interesting too, I think, is sprouting mm-hmm. um, because you can take these ingredients um, that might otherwise be inflammatory and um, and make them a lot less inflammatory. Uh, and um, and so you can do that with seeds. You can do it with beans. Um, you can do it with grains as well. So you started with like mixes and you've got like physical cookies that you can just eat. You don't have to bake the best kind. You just rip it out of the box and stuff it in your mouth. Like what, what, what other categories are you looking at? Or is this it for category? You got enough categories. Now, now it's going deeper in these categories or maybe you're like, okay, we've, we're tightening skews. Like where, where are you guys going? Yeah, we're always looking at new categories. Um, so we're always thinking about new items. There's um, there's a number of things that we've um, that we've worked on in house that we haven't launched. Um, Can you give us some hints? 
No, unfortunately. But I can. But this what I can air tell till you, like probably August. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that there are, um, I think, a number of categories that face the same um, dynamics that our current categories do. Um, so where you're seeing a lot of processed food, a lot of, um, a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar, not a lot of nutrition. Those categories are ones that are real kind of hot grounds for us. Which one? Like, so what categories are? Let's just say are, are you're looking at. Uh, categories are big it's like okay there's frozen like you don't have to be you could be as specific as you want which would be great or as non-specific but directionally can you give us some direction uh we do really love the center of the store because we like the convenience and um and categories where we can offer a lot of um, convenience and flavor so like cereal who knows <laughs> well, let me how about this let me rephrase it i i get the sense you're you, i understand you're holding your cards close uh are there categories you're just like not never gonna happen? Hmm. Like you're never gonna do grains. You're not gonna do yogurt. I'm not saying know. no to any. Well, is there any? Yeah, I, I guess that there's um, there are things that are off the table for us from a product tenants perspective. Okay. Uh, we'll so, start there. Yeah. So um, so we don't share like all of our product tenants. But like, for example, like we're never going to use natural flavors. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that's very, um, very commonly used, but they're not really natural. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also um, never going to use gums and emulsifiers, never going to use grains. And so it's a little bit more driven by, um, by what we can accomplish with our product tenants than it is necessarily like the section sure. of the grocery store. That all eliminates some categories, though, where shelf life is, it could be an issue. Yeah, it could. So what brands do you admire where you say like, oh, wow, they're doing really amazing work or they're really innovating or I want to be like that brand someday or, or just we're friends in the space and they're really cool and we, we talk. I think one of them is an old one. Um, and, uh, and that's, um, that's Annie's. Sure. Uh, I, the thing that I really admire about the Annie's. Purple Bunny. The purple bunny. The thing that I really admire about Annie's um, is that they took these these categories and they really took them to the next level. They took these um, these products that had tons of like processed ingredients and and took them out and cleaned them up quite a bit. Now I think there's um, definitely more that can be done, but this was at a at a time and a place where no one was doing that um, and no one was touching those categories. So there's certainly one. Another recent addition to the list of companies that I admire. GTs. Have you seen their new um, coconut yeah. yogurt? He bought the yeah. He was on the podcast a couple of months ago. Yeah, he's a he, talk about an innovator. Oh my gosh! The guy's been making kombucha for twenty. He created the category. He did, and the um, their uh, their coconut, coconut yogurt. Kefir, yeah. Oh my goodness, it's incredible, and it's unlike anything else that's on the shelf. I mean, it's um, I think that's a really cool thing when you see um, something that is truly differentiated. Uh, and when nobody else is doing it, and especially right now when so many people are coming into these categories, mm. um, I mean, to be able to offer, what is it, 50 billion um, CFUs per container at, um, at the time of manufacturing, it's Have you ever impressive. met him? Uh, no, I haven't. He, he's really an inspiring guy. So yeah. mission-driven, like so never raised capital to his company. It's just what what he also has weathered, like this was 10 years ago, if you remember, like when kombucha got pulled off the shelves of Whole Foods mm -hmm. and getting through that and great brand, great product. Yeah, they're, um, 
<laughs> they're impressive. Also, I really like Kite Hill. Um, yeah. 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 But that's also personally because I, I'm dairy free, so I like having cheese. <laughs> yep. Any other great dairy free brands? There's a lot of innovation in dairy free right now. There's a lot of innovation in dairy free. Like I just saw, so my wife Colleen grew up loving McConnell's ice cream. Yeah. Which is like based in, uh, I think, Santa Barbara in California. And we just walked into our local foragers market here in Dumbo where Simple Mills is stocked. And McConnell's, well, I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's dairy free. Like, it's like, it, it was just so interesting because McConnell's is like this iconic old school brand that's been around for, I don't know, 50 years or so. And I'm like, okay, dairy free ice cream now. McConnell's, cool. Yeah. You know, I think, I think part of the reason why I struggle with that question is. I'm a big fan of just real food. Like when you look in my kitchen, it's a lot of just fresh uh, produce and fresh meat. I so what is in your kitchen? I have I have really high standards for what I put in my body. (laughs) So what is in your kitchen? Um, What are your go-to staples? So it's um, it's funny because I did place my my Thrive Market order uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and I just like placed gigantic orders at a time, and basically it's just like um, twenty five cans of um, of diced tomatoes and twenty cans of tomato paste and like thirty cans of coconut cream. <laughs> That's about it. I buy, uh, and then after that, it's things like um, you know onions, garlic. Like this week, what I made was a um, a Korean barbecue um, stir fry with skirt steak. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I also really love making, I've got a really great Whole30 um, gumbo recipe. Oh, nice. Yeah. should share that with Melissa Hartwig. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I like making things like that. I, I love the Instant Pot. And what's really great about it is you can make like, you know, like 10 meals at a time. And then I just put them all in mason jars in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And then you have a meal anytime you want it. And there's never an excuse of, well, I'm too tired to cook. <laughs> so if you don't drink milk, what do you do for alternative milk? For the most part, I don't, I don't drink alternative milk. So just... no almond milk, no peat, no ripple, no calafia, no, you don't do. A... You know, I, it goes back to the gums and emulsifiers. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if I do drink or almond milk, yeah, oh, <laughs> milk is good. I don't think they have gums and emulsifiers in theirs, but I mean, for me, I, um, I do love making almond milk though. It's delicious. That's arduous. That's, that's a task. <laughs> well, almond flour makes it a lot easier. Um, just put almond flour, water, vanilla, oh, that's true. sea salt and the Vitamix. That's You've got true. almond milk. So where do you think the natural CPG world is going to be in a year from now? three years from now I think that it's it's accelerating and um and I think that there's going to be a lot more I think noise and products in the space first but I think where this is driving towards is something I'm pretty excited about which is I think the direction it's going to take us is democratizing real food Mm -hmm. um that with increased competition in the space I think it's going to drive some of the the supply of ingredients up um, and it's also going to drive down the pricing of, um, of natural products. Uh, and so I'm pretty excited about the fact that, um, that I think that longer term this is going to make uh, natural food and real food accessible to more people. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> and where, where, do you, where do you think Simple Mills is going to be? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're going to be kicking. <laughs> but like, um, how, how do you want... Like the, what? Like what's the what's the big vision? Yeah, for me, it is being a company that represents real food and nutrition in the center of the grocery store. 
Um, so it is taking these product categories that, um, that a lot of people are walking away from and giving them options that are nutritious, that are delicious, but are still really convenient because we can't cook every meal. Right. Um, we don't have the time to. And, and so you do need other things that you can go toward. And so I really, I see us as like a, um, a household brand name. I want to see us in every pantry and uh, across the country. So as you mentioned, the, it, it, CPG is growing. It's insane. Like the, the, the categories are going to get crowded. Um, a lot of brands entering the space. Like what advice would you give to someone? Like, don't go there or do this or do that. Like the example I use, like, okay, like probably we don't need another chocolate bar or tea <laughs> or like there's certain categories where it's just so competitive and, and crowded. Like what, what advice would you give to someone who's just maybe starting out or thinking about diving in and they're really passionate? Yeah, I would say a couple things. I'd say one, um, which you alluded to, which is make sure that your product has a, um, a clear differentiation from other products on the shelf a clear reason for being and make sure that that reason for being is important to consumers. I, I do see a number of entrepreneurs who fall down right there that I'm just like, is that really what a consumer is looking for? Or is that really that different from something else that's out there? So I'd say that first of all, and then I'd say second of all, work your butt off. Yeah. I think that entrepreneurship is a, it's a momentum game. It's about how fast you can get from point A to point B and then <laughs> point B to point C. Uh, because the faster that you're able to do that, the higher quality people that you can attract to your team. If you need investors, the, the better investors that you'll be able to attract, the better like press that you'll be able to attract, the better retailers. And, and that in turn allows you to move faster from point B to point C uh, because then you can point back at all those things and be like, look at how fast we did all of those things. So what's things. point C? How do, you, how do you define success or how do you define point C? Oh, um, for, for me or for the business? or Both. Yeah, I mean, for us, it is, it's truly changing the way that people eat. Um, and it's, um, it's changing what people expect out of their food. Um, so I, I don't want for people to expect that, that in order to get something convenient, it has to, you know, be made out of like a ton of wheat flour and a ton of sugar and have to, that you'll feel bad 30 minutes after eating it. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I, I really want to see the way that people are eating in this country change. Um, I also, you know, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and um, he made this point that a lot of times when people try to um, try to solve a problem, they try to find one solution to it. Um, so if you call the problem the way that our country is eating, a lot of times people look for one solution. Um, they're like, okay, I can start this one company or I can do this one thing. But what happens if you break a problem like that down into 76 little solutions instead of just one? And so I, I see Simple Mills as a component of, of, that, um, of that solution. Um, and I see my life mission of helping changing what people are eating. Love that. So you have a big mission. You've got 35 employees, thousands of stores, thousands of stores. 28 SKUs, how do you manage stress? <laughs> you know, I think um, I've been better at it and worse at it at different points in the business. There's certainly been points of time where you truly aren't sleeping very well. Um, you're waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning because you are stressed. I think part of it is surrounding yourself with great people. 
um, both great people in your personal life and also great people in your business. Um, because the more that, um, that you're supported by other people in your business, the less stressed you're going to feel about it. Another one is certainly taking care of yourself. The first two years of the business, I worked absolutely nonstop, and it was probably the right thing to do at that point in time. But as the business grew and as I was able to add people to our team, I've shifted to not working those hours. Uh, and so I am typically... What, what were those hours? And what <laughs> oh. are these hours? Oh, those hours were like, literally, I didn't have friends. I didn't date. I didn't go on vacation. I worked the weekend. Um, so it was nonstop. 80, yeah. 100. I haven't, I've never added it up. Um, you, you, you I was probably you, They weren't working. billable hours. You weren't sending those hours to a <laughs> I didn't even have the time to count. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was probably working from like 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. every night, every single day of the week, wow. um, whatever number of hours that is. And now, now I usually, I do still travel a lot for business, so that does get a little bit taxing. But for the most part, I'm out of the office by, by 6 p.m. I'm not working on the weekends. So I do have um, space in my life to do other things and space in my life to take care of myself, whether that's meditating or, um, or exercising or making myself uh, my lunches for the week. Sure. Um, so just like really taking care of my body. Do you take supplements? Um, I do. I You know, I'm kind of like... I bounce around with them. I don't think I ever finish a bottle. Sure. <laughs> I'm the worst customer when it comes to supplements. I buy one bottle and then I switch to something else. Magnesium, collagen. I just go around like what everyone takes in our office. Yeah, yeah. I've done magnesium. I've done vitamin D. My latest one's been MSM. What's that? Um, it's like basically sulfur. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So it, it's supposed to repair a number of things. Yeah, I mean, I flip around between them. <laughs> so, you, so you mentioned having great people around you has really helped you. So, like, what what do you look for when you're hiring? Like, well, what are the must-have qualities, and what are the run-away-from qualities? Yeah, I think for us, it's summarized in culture fit. We've been fortunate to have culture tenants since the very early days of the business. For us, it's it's really three things. First of all, a passion for holistic health. Mm-hmm. Um, so this belief that food impacts the way that you feel on a daily basis, but so does your stress levels, your, um, your personal relationships, exercise, all of these other things as well. And so in order to get a job with us, you have to kind of believe in optimizing sure, your holistic sure. health. You got to believe in what we're doing to get in the door. <laughs> and that's not true for every natural food company. And it, sometimes oh, totally. it is. I, wa- I walk Expo West. <laughs> Sometimes it's really hard brokers. to find. <laughs> yeah, like, really. True. <laughs> you guys don't. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing is that we um, we love to win together. Um, so we are an ambitious group of people. We do want to make a big impact. We're not happy with the status quo. We like to challenge the status quo and figure out if there's a different way to do things. It's the reason why we exist today. Is I said, why does a baking mix have to be made out of flour? And then the last one is that we're courageously open and honest. Mm. Uh, and that means open to other people's ideas. Even if it didn't come from somebody higher up than you, it means that you are open to um, to feedback and hearing that you were wrong or that something's not working. It means that you're open to having the hard conversations. That's probably the toughest point, but it's... It, I think that that one really requires being able to check your ego at the door. And so you you asked what are things that you like screen out and make sure that you don't have. And it's um, you have to be able to check your ego and just say like, mm-hmm. it's, what's like an yeah. ego red flag? 
Oh, um, one of my favorite questions to ask is about when, when was the last time that you could have handled something better interpersonally? Um, because most people have an interaction like that, like yesterday. Like every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're giving me like an answer from like a year ago, um, and it's not that, and you clearly haven't reflected on it too much, um, then that tells me that you're, that you're, you have a difficult time checking your ego. Right. Um, because you can't even admit to yourself when you were wrong. You can always check Instagram too. Yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) So what keeps you up at night? And then on the flip side, what has you excited in the morning? Yeah, I think um, I, I think definitely just always our team is what keeps me up at night. It's like making sure that we have the right people in the right spots. And we've grown super fast. So we've grown greater than 3x every year that we've been in business. Wow. Headcount, revenue, or both? Revenue. Wow. And so it's like the business changes so quickly. And so that means that... Do you share revenue pub- publicly anymore? No. No, we don't. Uh, But it's like, it's crazy fast growth. And so um, it usually means that there are things breaking all the time. Sure. Um, You put something in place and then it breaks. I mean, even. Then you got to fix it. Then, then, yep. (laughs) And then it breaks again. Yeah. But that's part of the process. Oh my gosh. I love it. They've done studies on entrepreneurs' brains and you you talk to them about like money or like selling and like part of their brain lights up. You talk to them about building and their entire brain lights up. Um, but yeah, it's like things are breaking all the time. And, um, and so you, you constantly have to be, um, figuring out if you need to reorganize the company or put somebody new in or or have conversations with people about like places where they're going to have to develop really fast in order to scale with the business. In terms of what gets me excited in the mornings, I think one, the, the impact that we're having on the space, like I just... One of my one of my high moments for the business was actually when um, when I saw one of our competitors directly copy our ingredient list. Like that is awesome <laughs> uh, because it means then that I'll we're contact my attorney. The space. <laughs> uh, because it means that we're impacting the space. And then too, like honestly, working with our team—it's—it's yeah. um, it's like both the like most stressful point, and it's also the coolest point when you see like the team really come together. And oh, we did like this team function a few weeks ago where we sent the full team out on a scavenger hunt, and it was amazing. You just see like the entire team like working together, and it's hard to put into words, but sure. you just get chills when you see it. Sure. So, last question: If you could go back and. Give 24-year-old Caitlin Smith, who just started baking in the uh, test kitchen, advice. What advice would that be? I think that it would be to appreciate the journey. I think I went too long staring at the destination. I don't even have pictures from the first two years. (laughs) It it kills me. Sure. I I try to do that a lot more now. Um, But it's, yeah, appreciating the journey. I love that. Caitlin, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. Mm